On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam, and welcome. Ty West grew up an only child, and he will tell anyone that he believes that that influences his personality to be both motivated and self-driven. He typically writes, directs, edits, and produces all of his own films. So, when the pandemic happened, he did what made the most sense to him. He threw himself completely into writing. He hadn't done a feature-length horror film since 2013, but found himself drawn to the sense of entrepreneurial Americana of the 70s and the symbiotic relationship between horror and porn. Also, throw in some inspiration from classic 70s films like Smokey and the Bandit, Debbie Does Dallas, and a hint of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and he had himself a script. He ended up reaching out to the one and only production company, A24, as his first choice for the film, sent him over that same script, and they called him back saying, all right, I think we can dig this premiering at the 22 South by Southwest Film Festival and opening to critical acclaim, and you got how our pick of the week, X, was born. So, don't stand too close to that lake and be aware of your surroundings. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Welcome to the show. I am Katie. And I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast, episode 102. What? I, we hope you guys are doing well. How are you, Britt? I am good. I, uh, I've i been keeping busy, as as you did too, I believe. We had a three-day weekend at work, which sounds really, really nice until you have to realize you make up for Monday being off. So... Yes, <laughs> but I, yes, or your coworkers being off Friday through Tuesday, and then you have to pick up slack, and you're like tight. Yeah, I was here. <laughs> oh, fun times, fun times. So, but yeah, uh, it's been busy, but I can't complain. What about you, Katie? How have you been? Same thing. Uh, tech week for my show is nice. Next week when we're recording, but when this releases, it'll have passed and the show will be opened. But that's always, if you've ever done theater, and uh, our director said this last night, he's like, there will be a point where everything will seem like it's going wrong and this show is going to suck. But that's not what the show is going to really do. So just be aware of that. I'm like, yep, that happens every time. (laughs) So it's the most stressful time, but it's also when the show starts coming together. So it's cool too. So And um, it's just been... Uh, another interesting week. I watched the Johnny Depp Amber Heard verdict live today. It's over, y'all. It's over. Did you did you hear what the verdict was? Yeah. It was interesting because Johnny Depp, I didn't expect him to win all three, but he did. But also they only awarded him $10 million in compensation. And then 
They said five million in um, punitive damages, but uh, in the state of Virginia, you can only—I think they top it out at three hundred and twenty-five thousand, or it might be three fifty um, k. But like, you can't get five million in punitive damages. So he really didn't get five million. And also, Amber Heard won one of her counts, and uh, which was not really something Johnny Depp said. Rather, what his lawyer said as an agent for him, which was always wishy-washy that she was going to win that, but she did win one count. And they gave her $2 million and no punitive damages, which means the jury really did not like you, apparently. So I guess he really he gets $7 million. Eight, eight and some change, you know, after that. It is it is what it is. I think the court of public opinion was more important in this case than the actual damages. I did not expect him to win three. I expected him to win the retweet thing where she did retweet that and said that I wrote this. But it was interesting. I was so nervous about it, like watching it live. I was like, it felt like I was on trial and not, but I was just like, this is so exciting and terrifying. And then Amber Heard tweeted something four minutes after the verdict was read and it was very long. So obviously they had pre-planned, I guess, whatever scenario was going to happen. Yeah. But like... I don't know. I was, it was not, it was bad form. And like, I don't know. I feel bad for her because I feel like she does have severe mental health problems that could be helped by therapy with a good therapist. But I think narcissism and borderline personality disorder is so hard to admit that you have it because that is part of the symptoms is that like you don't see your own faults and that's a big symptom of that. And so I don't know if it's, like, I feel bad because it's not her fault that she has that kind of stuff. It's not her fault that she had an abuse of childhood. It is her fault that she lied about abuse. Yeah. In my opinion. At, you know, in my personal opinion, allegedly, it does seem to me like she lied about a lot of things. And that's not cool. Even if they had a shitty relationship, you know, just be like, it was a shitty relationship and, you know, we were both at fault. You yeah. don't have to throw the other person under the bus. I'm just amazed that I've seen more of this in my timeline and my newsfeed than the shootings in Texas. Like, I don't know. that. Well, I will say it's maybe an unhealthy coping mechanism to take a break from all the sad shit. Yeah, I just... And be like, oh, here's two rich people. Although it's sad. The, the, the abuse stuff is sad. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like that that shouldn't happen to anybody. And relationships shouldn't be like that. And I feel that part is not the funny part. The funny part is just the reaction to, like, getting caught in lies is just more denial. And just, it became a bit of a circus. Yeah. And apparently there was another shooting in Tulsa. Uh, Supposedly, and I need to research this, but I read somewhere that there was 12 other mass shootings since the Texas shootings. But I need to research that because I don't like to go on record and say things until I know for a fact. Yeah. And because of that, I tried to stick to, I tried to look at legitimate yeah. news sites when I see things like that. And multiple ones, because mm-hmm. with a 24-hour news cycle, people will be, like, even legit news sites will occasionally be like, this is happening, and then they'll have to go back like, oh, wait, no, that didn't happen, sorry. Yeah, I just think, I think it's sad because it's, it's not that people are forgetting it so soon, it's just more that we become desensitized to it because it just happens now every couple years and i think it's really sad that we become desensitized to it and we stop talking about it because once we stop talking about it nothing changes so that's what i kind of think about and i just i haven't really been into the johnny depp amber heard thing if i'm just being completely honest because it does seem like a circus and i just 
I, I think there's still weird things. I still think there's weird things on both sides. And that's not me sticking up. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's not me sticking up for Amber It was Amber a Heard. shitty relationship. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard. I'm glad it's over. Hopefully there'll be a stupider court case I can watch on Emily D. Baker's YouTube channel so I can distract myself. But yeah, if what's happening in Tulsa is what's happening, I'm so sorry. And I really hope things are going to get better, guys, because we got to fix this. I know we said this last week, but we have to fix this. But speaking of trying to distract ourselves from the horrors of the world, have you, um, was there any housekeeping before we get into what we watched? No, ma'am. No housekeeping on my end. What about yours? The only thing is, I think I may have accidentally said that the director, not the writer of Freddy's Revenge, was the one that didn't get the queer notes on the TikTok video. So if that's what I said, I'm sorry. It was the writer, not the director. So sorry. But that's the only thing is I don't even think it's really that big of a deal. Did you watch anything this weekend? Besides our movie, um, we we uh, stained our shutters and hung them up, which staining shutters took about Yay! like six hours and hanging up took about four yeah. hours. So it's a bit. Yeah, it's a bitch. So the only thing I was able to get through was the first four season, the first four episodes of Stranger Things season four. <gasps> Me too. That's where I well, I got four and a half episodes okay. in. Yeah. So we, I haven't gone. I won't. I got through episode four and halfway through episode five. Episode four. It's very so interesting. Good. Episode four was so. It is good. really good. Also, there's a song that I like and I think has been redone. Either it was redone recently or just people were playing the original song on the radio. Um, running up that hill. Yeah. Oh, that I love. Okay, so Kate Bush, and the it's very first time I ever heard that was actually a cover. Placebo did a cover of "Running Up That Hill," and I love that song. And then when I first heard the Kate Bush one, I had to get used to it because the placebo cover is so slow, and the Kate Bush one is more oh. like "If I Only Could." So I was like, "But man, yeah. it was I." I like poor Taylor. A half hour after we watched that episode, I was still talking about it because I love strong music choices in TV shows, and that was yes. so perfect. And it is Ryan, who is back to editing. Welcome Yay! back, Ryan! Yay! Um, thank God because we're going to tech week. I'm so thankful. Um, but uh, we're so excited. Ryan was messaging us about us, and he's like, "It's so much like Nightmare on Elm Street. You guys picked like the perfect movie to go with Stranger Things." I was like, "I didn't even realize that was what the theme was going to be for Stranger Things season four. Um, there are some familiar faces. The uh, the actually faceless, familiar faceless, because one of the faceless men is playing a minor part. I won't say who he is." But I was very excited. And also someone from Sweeney Todd is also playing a minor part who also did a Game of Thrones episode or oh, two. yeah. There's a lot of Game of Thrones people that are like mm -hmm. popping up. But yeah, Anthony from Sweeney Todd plays a minor part, which they I haven't really figured out exactly who his character is, but he, he did show up. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I was kind of iffy on watching it because like I was like, it's been so long. But it hooked me back in. And I see, I also... It's good, though. I honestly thought the first, like... I know, like, they have to set things up for this season. So I get why the first two episodes were a little bit slower. And so I was like, they're just setting... They're setting things up. And But by the time the fourth episode ended, I was like, yes, I'm back in the groove. I can't wait until the fifth episode mm -hmm. now. It's good. And then I also caught up on the staircase and Under the Banner of Heaven. Okay, I'm still one episode behind it's on high. the staircase. One episode behind. I was caught up as of, like... 
Saturday, so there might be a new episode now, but I think there's only, it's a limited series, so it won't go on for seasons and seasons. I forgot, spoilers, but it's not really because this is in real life. He did get out on an Alford plea, and I totally forgot that he's out, Michael Peterson, so. But again, I'm still not sure, like, I'm very... Uh, I got to the episode. Did you get to the episode with Al Theory? No. So the last episode, the very end of it is why did I just blink on her name? Meeting him in prison, and the neighbor looks. The yes. neighbor looks over and he sees the owl. Like he's studying oh. the report and he sees the so owl. So the next yeah. episode. Okay, here's the thing I love about the next episode. It's not a huge spoiler, but they go into the Owl Theory. I always thought the Owl Theory sounded really not plausible, and it was very hard for me to visualize in the way it was described, like, how it happened. But I will say, the way that they staged it in the TV series makes it extremely plausible. I love the and staging they do. And I'm like, that could have happened. I love it. It could have, uh, yeah. So that's why I'm like, I'm like, I don't know that Michael Peterson didn't kill his wife. But I also don't know that he did. And I do think there's enough evidence. I, I think the Alfred plea is what it is. I think he does have enough evidence for a jury to convict him. But I'm also like, I feel like if he did kill her, it was an accident or maybe he lost his temper because he didn't seem to like actively hate his wife. I don't know. The owl theory is super plausible though. Now that I've seen it, I hate that I saw it because it's really sad watching someone bleed to death on camera when you know that it was a real crime. But I will say, I I do think it makes it more plausible. But you know what? I love the brilliance it. of it because, so I, I I was reading about the staircase case and I know like you said before they covered it on My Favorite Murder. It's something because it's just, but what I love about this TV show is that for people who really aren't familiar with it, like someone like Taylor and me who's like, I've read things but I haven't watched the staircase like documentary series yet. They do it in such a way that it really, really, really makes it hard for you to condemn Michael. Like you're like, you see one way, you're like, maybe that happened. You see the other way you're like maybe that happened and with this out theory the way you're talking it's like oh shit maybe it happened and it's upsetting to think that you know she died in any of these ways but it kind of puts you in that that headspace of okay this is how it could have happened like visually you are seeing how it could have happened and I'm very appreciative of that because it does make it harder to say for sure with certainly that Michael did it or did not do it I mean the 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 documentary kind of does that too because it is from his point of view. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, they also did it in several parts because they did it when he got convicted and then they ended it. And then they went back when Sophie was like, hey, like the owl theory, like this is plausible. And it's interesting. It is interesting. Again, I haven't said anything about how his family feel, how Kathleen's family feels about this. So I'm curious how they feel about it. Um, but again, HBO tends to be a little better than Hulu about asking families for permission. Um, I just ran to another TikToker where her sister's brutal murder was, and I, I can't remember what the murder was, but um, I think her sister's first name was Brooke. And I can't, I'm blanking on her last name, but like they dramatized her sister's murder and they covered more about the murderer and she's very upset about it and so like who if i like hulu's under the banner of heaven um now it's based on a book so i'm like well i know the author gave his blessings but i wonder how the victim's families felt although it's a much older case yeah because it took place in the 70s so like ah, uh, there's that but it's, i'm really enjoying that show andrew garfield is great uh, honestly the whole cast is really great 
Um, there's some really good actors. Wyatt Russell's in it. Um, there's a Culkin. Rory. Rory's in it. Rory Culkin is really crazy person, and I love who's it. A, who's the girl actress that was also in Fresh? Because she's about to be in Where the Crawl Dads. Oh, she's great. Yeah, Where the Crawl Dads sing. She's great. Because you've heard about, so I don't know if you're, you, I don't know if you're seeing this, but like a couple years ago, I saw like all my friends who are reading books were reading Where the Crawl Dads sing. And now it's being made into yeah. a movie, and she's playing the lead Kyla, Arkaya, in that movie. And so... Yeah, that's one that is on my list, and I haven't read it yet, but I've heard good things about it. Daisy Edgar Jones, Yes, that's her name. And I'm wondering, because I'm like, okay, either this... It's based on such a beloved book that either this movie is going to be incredible or it's going to fail miserably, because that's what always happens when a beloved book <laughs> gets turned into a movie. It's another murder mystery. I need to watch that. I feel like Kat told me to read that, because Kat reads murder mystery books much faster than I do. Mm-hmm. And she'll be like, oh, read this one. And I'll be like, oh, okay. But yeah, was there anything else you got to watch? I will say, so I did watch the next two episodes of um, The Time Traveler's Wife. Guys, I don't know why. It's not really that great. I think sometimes I just like oh. to watch like shows that are very mediocre. I can't explain it. No, that tracks. I do that yeah, too. Yeah, I'm just like, I, I continue watching it. I'm like, I'm not like thoroughly impressed with it, but I like it enough that I keep watching it. But I will say that the thing I have been doing that I'm very proud of, I've been trying to slowly get back into reading. Me and Katie have talked about this a lot where I kind of have um, attention issues with reading, which is because I love it. So I've been reading, like, I've found this list of, like, 30 great short stories, and I made my way for two more short stories. So I read um, Where Have You Gone, Where Have You Been by uh, Joyce Carol Oates. And I also read The Bear Came Over the Mountain, and I feel really, really bad because I'm forgetting the writer's name, but that movie was adapted into Away From Her, which was nominated for Best Original Screenplay in, like, the early 2000s. The Bear Came Over the Mountain is really sad. Where Are You Going, Where Have You Been kind of terrified me because it's very loosely based on this murderer that like murdered and adopted three teenage girls so it's a little bit frightening but Joyce Carol Oates usually does give me that feeling when I read her stuff so <laughs> it was Alice Munro thank you the bear came over the mountain yes and it's a it's a good sh- it's it's sad it. it's sad but it's a good short story too so yeah and that's the other great thing about short stories is that they're more readily available to read free online I know I'm trying to read some plays for our upcoming season and some of them are on audible and i found it delightfully entertaining to listen to them but at least we got to see x finally yes yeah which we i guess we should get started talking about it a little bit yeah it is available for rental it's 5.99 to rent um i I guess your rental system is probably like mine we have apple tv so you have 48 hours to watch in the movie yeah that's how prime is. yeah so i watched it twice in that 48 hour period so the first time i was watching the second Mm -hmm. time i was writing fiercely but yeah it's good it is written directed produced and edited by ty west he directed the films the roost the house of the devil which i found for a dollar 50 at like the dollar general and i love that movie the Keepers, The Sacrament, and In the Valley of Violence, which was a Western. He also, this is interesting. I don't know if you knew this, Katie. I had no idea until I saw this. He directed Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever, but disowned it. He disowned yeah, it? He, yeah, God. he disowned it due to interference and re-editing, even go so, going so far as asking to remove his name completely from the film, but that request was denied. Oh. But this is what's funny. So that was what I was reading like on like a few different things. 
But one interviewer was like, so you were fired from Cabin Fever 2. And I was like, oh, were you fired or did you just hate it? I don't know. Because he goes, yeah, people always bring that up, blah, 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 blah. So I thought that was interesting, but I wasn't able to research that further before tonight's premiere. I will say Cabin Fever does not really hold up. I would agree with that. I think we've talked about this. Oh, I will also say, um, so we also know that uh, Ty uh, did the second honeymoon segment from VHS. And he also was yes. Turok and Your Next, which uh spoiler yes. for Your Next, but it did come out eleven years ago. Um he's the And we already did it on the exactly. podcast. Exactly. He's the first deaf in the movie. He gets the uh arrow through the eyeball. So yeah. Which he like plays a hipster, yeah. which I still think is really funny. He plays a hipster film director. Yeah. Which we thought, I remember talking about it, we're like, this guy has to direct movies. And then we looked it up and we're like, Oh, yeah. he does. Because this was he has like he like ad libs a monologue about his parents like not understanding his artistic pursuits and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, this is a very familiar talk." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this person actually has been in the trenches. Um, but yeah, I haven't. The House of the Devil is on my list, and I haven't watched it. But the Sacrament sounds so interesting, and it's they're definitely on our list to do at some point. So, but this movie just looked so interesting from like the first trailer. That I'm almost glad this was my first Ty West movie. I will say this one, you can tell it has a bigger budget because I haven't seen all of his movies, but The House of the Devil is definitely more of a slow burn. Like, it's a good movie, but the Mm -hmm. movie doesn't really pick up till the third half, which I think is arguable with this movie, too. That it's like the last 40 minutes of the film, you're hitting the ground running. Because I actually, we'll get into it, the plot, but I paused it when the first kill happened. I was like, oh, this is actually late in the movie, but the movie moves like quick enough that you don't catch it but house of the devil is kind of the same way where it's like it's really setting the scene for what's happening so when shit starts to happen you're like oh my god but this one definitely has like higher production value than the house of the devil but definitely recommend house of the devil yes anyways i will say i love the name of the movie because it's kind of a double meaning because x obviously goes for the x rating which as Ty West, I think we said in our intro, kind of the relationship between adult films, much of whom were rated X, and horror films were rated X, especially in the 70s. Now that stopped in 1990. But the weird thing is like X sounds so definitive, like, oh my god, so like, so serious, like, oh, no one can see it except certain people. Except that it was just (laughs) no one over 16 could see it. So I was like, that's not really that bad. So when you think about it, when you find out the kinds of movies that were rated X that kind of seem like why, one was Midnight Cowboy. The other one was Fritz the Cat, which I think is just dirty. It's not really like, it's a cartoon. It is a little. But I cannot remember. Like, I've seen it before. It's Yeah, it's a little pornographic, but it's also animated cartoon cat, so. Yeah. And then there's Last Tango in Paris, which is very problematic because of some of the filmmaking techniques. They did not treat the female actor in that very well. Surprising her with sex scenes that she did not agree to. So, uh, you can only imagine what's in that one. Also, her co-star was decades older than her. And had a lot of power in the industry because it was Marlon Brando. Yeah. And then the and a Clockwork Orange, which I honestly understand because it took me two tries to get through Clockwork Orange the first time I watched it because the singing in the rain scene um, very much but disturbed Blue me. Velvet was also rated at X when it first came out too. Yes, yeah. yes. 
Which, I mean, there's a lot of nudity and violence. Midnight Cowboy, A Clockwork Orange, and Blue Velvet are the only three films rated X that were nominated for Best Picture. Anyways, um, also, uh, this movie is about them making a pornographic movie called The Farmer's Daughters. There was a real movie called that in 1976, and it starred uh, a legit actor and writer called Spalding Gray, who was in the, was a recurring part on The Nanny, um, was in Beaches, and was a doctor on Kate and Leopold, which is one of those so bad, but like comforting movies that I love to watch. Hugh Jackman, Meg yeah. Ryan. So, and it has time travel. Also, uh, his cinematographer is the same cinematographer that's worked on House of the Devil and Innkeepers, which I love their name. Elliot Rocket. That is a cool name. Elliot has one T, Rocket has two. That is cool. That's pretty cool. And they also had some amazing makeup by Sarah Rubano. Rubano, yeah. Who worked on Avatar and District 9. And we'll go into the characters that did makeup. But let's just say the makeup's really good. It is really good. And the music also is very interesting, which I didn't really get to look them up. But Tyler Bates and Chelsea Wolf did them. And I think there were some really cool and unique, interesting uh, uses of uh, <laughs> pornographic noises oh, yeah. in scary mu- music, and I thought that was super interesting and thematic. Yeah, I was actually listening to the X soundtrack on Apple Music as I was writing my notes, and I was like, oh yeah, I thought the soundtrack sounded really good watching the movie, but just rehearing it again, I was like, yeah, this is some eerie shit. I do like it. It's very eerie, and I like that the pornographic moaning yeah. was like scored to like sound creepier, and I was like, that's interesting. I like mm-hmm. that. You didn't, you didn't have to do it, but you did you it. did Good it. job. This was a movie that I know from day one of seeing the first trailer, I was like, I have to see this yeah. movie. Have to see this movie. Yes. And I will say, I personally, before we get into spoilers, I do think it lived up to the hype for the most part. I think it was a solid watch. Um, I'm not saying it's it's not like a, a lighthouse or a parasite where I think it's going to win the Oscar. But, like, it's thoroughly entertaining, and I think it's totally worth a watch if you like movies. There is, it's not pornographic material, but there is extremely heavy sexual You know content. what? I actually would say, I was actually going to say this at the end, but since you brought it up, I actually thought it was a lot tamer than I was expecting it to be, as far as the pornography was concerned. I think it. I think it was the editing for a lot of it. Is they did like a lot of close-ups and stuff, so it wasn't like a full like shot of people banging for the most part. So it was like a lot of close-up and stylized editing, um, which really helped the movie and made it really meta, which was cool. But at the same time, it also seemed, which I'm not complaining. It's just more. It seemed a little bit more tame than I was expecting it to be in that aspect, which. You know, it still got the point across. I will say, so this movie takes place in Texas, but it was shot in New Zealand. And it was supposed yeah, to be... Yeah, sh- which looks like yeah, Texas. it's hilarious. Um, it was supposed Apparently. to be shot on a 16mm film, but um, they couldn't get the dollies over in New Zealand. So instead, it's shot on a Sony, a Sony Venice, and they used hot lenses to create a celluloid fill, and then they used old light fixtures to, like, make sure they had that look right. So a lot, a lot, it's a slasher film, but they did a lot of things to make it feel a little bit more elevated in terms of production design, which is really cool. Yes. I guess we should get into synopsis and spoilers. Yes. Um, but this is currently available to run on Apple and Amazon. And I'm sure other places. Yes. So, 
Synopsis. In 1979 in rural Texas, the weather is hot and ambitions are hotter as a group of actors set out to make an adult film. They take up filming at an old boarding house in the country under the noses of their elderly hosts, but little do they know there is a killer among them, and by the next morning, the body count is going to rise in more ways than one. And spoilers. Yes. Spoilers. We're on to spoilers. Come back yes. later. So, I love this movie... Don't get your titties out. Oh, God. Tan those titties. I'm going to tan these titties. Tan those titties. Because you're getting getting on the pornographic (laughs) camera. We're talking about adult films, y'all. Adult films. Listen, I got to say, I don't want to make light of adult filmmaking because it is a very hard working This is actually. Why does it always sound dirty when you're trying you know to praise what? people for doing I, adult What films? I do love about this film, I know it's not LGBT, but it's very sex positive. Very sex positive. Yes. And I feel like it's very sex positive for people who work in the industry. Um, so I do really like that aspect yes. of it. Yeah, I will say one negative aspect. I was like, they could have easily. Well, I don't. I kind of like that they didn't like. I I mean it. It was very similar to porn in the seventies. Yeah. From what I well, I'm not a porn connoisseur, but from I like learning about. I don't. It's not even like watching it, but I like learning about like the weird adult films that were like out there in the seventies, like the fact that um, Sylvester Stallone did the Italian Stallion, like he did a pornographic film before he did Rocky. And, and like, it was a big, like, then once he did Rocky, everyone to watch it. Debbie Does Dallas was another one. The Devil, then, Mrs. Jones. Uh, Farmer's, and, oh yeah, and Farmer's Daughter. And then there was a lot of um, uh, Rudy Ray Moore movies that were, like, not really porn, but not really, like, but had, like, soft core elements in it. Or they were, like, or they were, like, sex, like, romps, like, funny, sexy movies in the 70s. I find it interesting to, like, learn about, like, how they snuck sex in. But then it seems like a lot of 70s adult films that had plots did have some kind of substance to yeah. them. Like, there was a story. Like, Debbie Does Dallas definitely has a story. Like, is it mostly just sex? Yes. But it's very famous, and everybody knows Debbie Does oh, yeah. Dallas now. And it's even a musical. Anyways, we're going to talk about yes. porn. We, so. uh, so right at the beginning, I love the opening shot. So it's frame. It's already framed like an yes, old film. Yes, the aspect ratios. Yes, I love mm-hmm. it. And then you actually find out it pans out and it's in the barn. So, like, what you think is, like, the framing yeah. ratio is actually in the barn. And so right yes. at the beginning, you see a sheriff walking among the carnage of some kind of bloodbath. So there's, like, bodies outside. Yeah. There's bodies in the hallway. And then we... S- but they cover them all with yes. blankets so you don't know who whose bodies they yes. are just that it's nasty and a lot you see carnage, a lot of the I blood was very smart. yeah a lot of blood yes. so yes. you're like oh shit um but they see something really fucking awful in the base of it it does have that feel like it's like it feels like a bunch of movies you've probably seen before but it's also really original and that's what's really cool about it but we do see a title card that says 24 hours earlier and we see a woman maxine snorting some coke and, of course, Maxine is... Maxine is played by Mia Goth. We know her. We love her. We most recently saw her in Suspiria, the mm-hmm. remake, where she famously lied about having dancing experience because she really wanted to work with Luca Guadagino. Um, which is interesting because she does actually get to use dance in this film later 
on with a couple scenes, which I thought was interesting. Um, she's also was in Nymphomaniac Volume 2. Um, and she was recently in the newest version of Emma. Um, she plays Harriet. She actually, it's a very different role for her. It's very quiet, and she's using her British accent, which she, well, no, she's British in Suspiria, but she often uh, plays parts with an American accent. Um, and she's very good at her American accent, I will say. Um, I yeah. think she's the only non-American in... Actually, you know what? Wayne might be not American, too, but... I think he, I did see that, yeah. He's on... We'll talk about Wayne's character because uh, he's on a TV show that my mom got me to watch. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's in this movie about porn, but not yes. about porn. <laughs> I was... It was also he was on. Well, we'll talk about. It. But yes, yeah. love Mia Goth. She's um a very very good up. I feel like she's still kind of up and coming. Um, this is maybe her first like not supporting role because she's played a lot of supporting roles. Um, but I really like her. I think she's got a really high caliber acting. I um, I want to say because I've always wanted to see this movie and it's on our list. So I almost picked it one time. High Life, which is Robert Pattinson. Yeah. I think she may be the lead across Robert Pattinson in High Life, and I think she was the lead female in a Cure for Wellness too. So she was, yeah, but that one was kind of a floppity flop. Even though people are like, it's beautiful, but it's weird. It so. looks like it'd be beautiful and weird by the trailer. Yeah. So I could believe that. But we do actually see Wayne Gilroy, her boyfriend come mm-hmm. up so we are already at wayne too yeah so. so wayne yes so and wayne is the proprietor of it seems like a strip club in houston and maxine works for him um i love her name maxine minx Ooh. yeah obviously it's a stage name um but her producer boyfriend's name is wayne and wayne uh, is played by martin henderson who uh was the boyfriend in the ring he was no the ex, the ex. He, oh, that one. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah. like, was he, he was the boyfriend? ex and the father of 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 her son Aiden. So because uh, okay. pick up the fucking phone, Noah. So Noah has spoiler alert, but the ring came out in like two thousand four. Uh, Noah has one of the best deaths ever in a film, a horror film. Yeah. Uh, Tight. I mean. He's the fucking, he's the, he's the moment we find out Samara crawls out of a TV screen. So nothing Ooh, can beat that. Fun times. Yeah. So. Um, which I just found, I was like, oh, he was in horror all the way back then. Kind of like, um, Julie, oh shit, I'm blanking on her name, but she was, ah, she plays Rita in Dexter. Julie, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. blanking her last name, but she started face. out in horror and especially she, she played a recurring vampire on Buffy and did a bunch of horror stuff. And so then she went back and like, that's why she was like, ooh, Dexter's kind of like horror. So it's kind of like where I started out. So great actress and I'm blanking on her name, um, but she's really good. You know who I'm talking about, Rita from Dexter. Um, but yeah, so he's also um, a bit on Grey's Anatomy, but Recently, he's been on this TV show on Netflix called Virgin River, and it, honestly, okay, there's a lot of really good actors in Virgin River, and it's a very, like, uh, like, my mom recommended to me, she's like, listen, I'm not saying this is the best show, but it does capture my attention. The script is not great. The dialogue's not stellar. But it's one of those, like, it kind of reminds me of, like... Twin Peaks without the weirdness, like, because it's a small town. It's, like, this nurse, she's a midwife slash nurse practitioner, and she, like, lost her baby and her husband traumatically, 
And so she moves to this, like, remote town, but the doctor doesn't want her working for him. But then, like, she befriends everybody. And he plays her love interest, um, who then gets his ex-girlfriend pregnant in the second season. Um, So there's a love triangle. It's, I will say, I have watched, like, the first season and a half. It is actually, like, it's attention-grabbing, but it's kind of like what you said about The Time Traveler's Wife. Is it the best show on television? Absolutely not. Is it nice to turn my brain off and just watch it? Absolutely. And the lead is the girl that played the sexy version of Moira, the maid, in the first season of American Horror Story. And then played the redheaded witch that um, Sarah Paulson's gross husband kills. Um, And I'm blanking on her name, but she's the lead in that. So it's two horror people. Two horror people in that show. But um it's you know, if you want to turn your brain off, it's got good actors. The guy from Animal House, one of the guys from Animal House is um Otter from Animal House is in it, um, which I love that movie. But it's just the dialogue kinda of sucks. But it's cute. It's cute. It's kind of like a soap opera y kind of like light. Anyways, but yeah, so Wayne Wayne is her boyfriend who apparently left his wife for her because yeah. she's so special. Or as she tells yeah. herself, you are a star. You're a fucking sex symbol. You're a fucking sex symbol. Yes. I'm like, all right. Now, outside, though, a beautiful... Bo- I do have to finish this because this is really funny. Outside, a beautiful blonde woman, Bobby Lynn, walks through the door of a building with a cute picture of an alligator pulling the pants down on a woman a la Coppertone. And I was like... Yes. I literally told Taylor, I was like, look, it's like Coppertone. And he didn't realize that Coppertone's logo was a little girl getting her beach bottoms pulled down by a pup. But, of course, Bobby Lynn is played by... Brittany Snow, um, who, if you don't know Brittany Snow, I guess you're not a millennial. Uh, but she's in, I think, the Pitch Perfect movies are probably what people most recently know her for. Personally, I remember her on the TV show American Dreams way back when, uh, which was about, like, the 60s and stuff. And she was on, like, American Bandstand, I think. Her character danced on American Bandstand, and it was like, American Dreams. Very Americana. Um, but also, she played the bitchy girl in Hairspray, the antagonist. No, that's it's really funny because the first thing I remember seeing Britney Snow was, so one of my favorite bands when I was a teenager was The Academy Is. I've seen them like five times live. But on their first album, they have a single called The Phrase That Pays, and she's in the music video for The Phrase That Pays. So uh, for the first time I think I saw her after that was Hairspray, I'm like, that's the girl from The Phrase That Pays. So like, <laughs> It's funny singer, watching though. like... It's funny watching all those, like, old alternative videos from, like, the early 2000s. And then a lot of the people music videos are now celebrities. So, that's kind of cool. We do see that this has taken place in 1979. And so, we know it's Houston, Texas. And what's hilarious is Taylor's a Texan. And so, he's like, that's still how it looks. Like, he's like, that's the manufacturing capital of the country. So, uh, Taylor was <laughs> Taylor was giving that commentary. And it's really, really funny to literally read interviews afterwards or research this movie. And Ty West going, yeah, I really wanted to use Texas because it was all about entrepreneurship. And I thought that was perfect for these filmmakers. Yeah. And, and Texas was like, Chainsaw Massacre was obviously an inspiration. He said that was, like, a very light inspiration. He said he wanted, like, maybe the feel of it. But he said the main thing for this movie was more like Debbie Does Dallas and then Smokey and the Bandit. Because he was like, everyone, because he kept saying that. He goes, everyone keeps saying Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But that wasn't my main thing. Like, I thought that was hilarious. He said that, like, in 10 different interviews. There's not as much sex in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, I feel like they go topless skinny dipping, but nobody's, like, banging. 
that I yeah. remember. So it's probably that makes more sense that this is more of an inspiration of Debbie Does Dallas. Which is hilarious, uh, too, because ironically, Texas Chainsaw Massacre also doesn't have a lot of blood. It's very violent, but it's yeah. not a bloody movie. So. Which is one of the reasons why I liked it. Even though mm-hmm. the new one, the best part about it was the gore. I honestly like that it's, it is scary, but it's more psychologically scary. Um, yeah. You know, did you did you say Blonde Bombshell for Bobby Lynn? Because, like, <gasps> I I described everybody, and that's how I described her. And yeah. then, so we, so we're meeting the cast and crew of this movie because they're about to head out to film this movie. And then the next person, <laughs> I was like, Afro clad and large membered vet Jackson Hole, who is played by Kid, is it Cootie or Cuddy? Cuddy. Uh, I think it's Cuddy because his last yeah, name is Kid Cuddy. Cuddy. Yeah. Um, but he's a rapper. He's an artist. Um, but this is one of his first like real movie roles. I think he's done like little parts because he was, Ariana Grande's DJ, like, the DJ on her song that she sang in Don't Look Up. Yeah. And then he's also in We Are Who We Are, which I haven't watched yet. And apparently he's in some part of Westworld that I haven't gotten to. I was like, oh. But I, honestly, I really liked him in this movie. I thought he did a really good job. He did do a good job. And I would like to see him do more movies because I thought he was really charming and, like, uh, like, he just brought a realism to the part. Like, there's one part where he, like, somebody says something really disturbing. He's just like, okay. And, like, I was like, oh, that was, it's just so natural. And so I don't yeah. always expect that when people are, like, singers or rappers or artists turn acting. I'm always like, ooh, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? Or are you going to be able to act? He's a very good actor. I really like him. And he's also very handsome. Yes. Um, and the large member thing is just a joke in later on in the script. Yeah, which BT dubs, I cannot find for certain if that was a prosthetic or not. I tried to look. I would say, I don't even remember seeing his dick. It's, it, yeah, there, yeah, it's like he's standing in the doorway and you see it like dangling and like. Oh, well, yeah. 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 So it's like, but like that was actually a very common thread of discussion with some people with this movie. So I was like, but you. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't care. Yeah, it's I mean, just really, it's funny, it's funny, because it's mainly men, too, that were discussing it. Um, oh. But, <laughs> yeah, so, um, but anyway, uh, of course, with Kid Cudi as a as a musician, we know him for Day and Night in Pursuit of Happiness. Those were two major singles, I think, in, like, the mid-2000s. But I personally like Mr. Rager and Man on the Moon. So I actually joked with Taylor when I first met him. I was like, yeah, Mr. Rager was actually written about my dad. And he was like, Really? <laughs> Because at the time, my last name was Rager. But um, I was like, no, not really. <laughs> yeah, you should you should have kept that going until yeah. now. Just forever, Absolutely. yeah. Kid Cudi is like I know a family Kid friend. Yeah, yeah, he's a family we friend. We went to high school together. <laughs> like, no, no, you say middle school because that's hard to disprove. Yeah. Because you could say he changed his name and, like, just point out a kid who vaguely looks like him. <laughs> yeah, he had a really weird, like, accident. And so, like, they had to reconstruct his face. So he doesn't really look like his kid photos. But, you know. Oh, um, God. Ble- sorry. Jesus. Don't do that. That is, like, some psychopathic narcissistic bullshit. Don't do that to people. Yeah. It's very funny. Um, and then we also have artistically aspirational director R.J., Who's played by Owen Campbell? Who I was like, is he related to Bruce Campbell? Because he kind of looks like he could be, but I could not find any data on that, so I doubt. I think it's just a coincidence. But he kind of looks like he could be related to Bruce Campbell, just a yeah. little bit. I found it interesting that he worked on Crank Anchors. Yes, as a puppeteer. Didn't even realize they were still 
doing Crank Yankers, but I used to I think love they did revivals. I think they did. Oh, like, maybe. Yeah. 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 I just found that hilarious. Um, he also was in Super Dark Times, which is on my list, and I've heard it's like it's like darker Stranger Things, but a movie kind of. Um, and he's also a recurring character on The Americans, which I have watched, but have not watched in a very long time. So, um, and then we've also got last but not least his church mouse of a girlfriend and sound operator Lorraine, which. I feel like it's a weird name for Jenna Ortega, who obviously is played by Jenna Ortega, because I feel like I think of Lorraine, I think of a 55-year-old church lady, but that's just me. Um, but if you don't know Jenna Ortega, I think we've definitely mentioned her before, because she's young Jane. Yeah. Jane the Virgin. Yeah. Um, she was recently in the newest Scream movie, and she's also in another horror film, The Babysitter Killer Queen, which was the sequel to that the babysitter like horror comedy that mm-hmm. was recently on so she's 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 out oh, there and she's also going to be playing wednesday adams in the upcoming wednesday yes. tv series so yes yeah. she will be which apparently they dropped a teaser for today and i haven't watched it yet but i heard about it like literally right before we got on yeah and i think it's funny because of all the interviews i read with all the cast members she was the only one that was like yeah i was a really big fan of ty's previous horror film so i'm like stoked to work with him and I was like, oh, and I research. Think, yeah, and out of all of these two, I think she's, I think she's the actor with the most horror credits on her IMBD, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. So, which is really cool. I think so. Yeah, but almost everyone's done some kind of horror, except for I think Scott Miscuddy or Kid Cuddy. What he goes, he's he's billed as his legal name. Yeah, so. but I think a lot of people did come see this movie because he was in it because he's a pretty well-known artist yes but basically they're in like those like old 70s vans and he's like uh yeah so this is gonna be bigger than debbie does dallas we're gonna shoot a pornographic movie um but they can't shoot in houston because it's too expensive so they're going way out in the country but wayne's really the person that knows the most details most other people are kind of in the dark um but yes yes and so they stop at a gas station where uh, Wayne again reminds Maxine that she like has the X factor, like she's special. Yes. And Maxine's so obviously special. very scrappy, like she's just like I'm ready, I'm ready to have this life I deserve. And they keep uh, it's a very interesting thing. They keep showing like a televangelist like preaching on the TV, and you're like, okay. Yeah. But outside, RJ starts to film some shots, and he he's very much into. He's like, I want to create like an avant garde porn. He doesn't really talk like that but in my head. Uh, but he's definitely, one, he's wanting to do like a higher graded porn film initially. Um, and so like, there's this really funny sight gag where Bobby Lynn suggests as they film the gas pump. They're like, oh, she's like, you should make the handle looks like he's holding his cock. And so- I love it. It's a group <laughs> effort, y'all. I do love, this reminded me of you, Katie, though, because it's like, uh, Wayne comes out with her cigarettes and she's like, Winston's, you know, I always smoke old golds. And I was like, oh, Katie, like I instantly thought of you. Because of the old gold. Oh, old gold. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Katie actually smokes a pack a day in case you guys didn't know. Can you hear? (laughs) Can you hear that I smoke a pack a day? No, I don't smoke a pack a day. Sorry, smoking is, nicotine addiction isn't funny, but it is funny to think I would smoke because I'm like, I thought she was funny. She's like, I'm just kidding. And they go on. So they do arrive at the house. Yes. And then we, I do want to say they, 
there's a fucking cow. Oh, yeah. The cow, there's a, there's a dead cow that's been hit by, like, a semi-truck. And Maxine's like, yeah. I hate blood and guts. And I'm like, oh, poor girl, because she's in a oh, horror movie. Thing. Yes. Also, we, we see the sheriff from mm-hmm. the first scene, which I forgot to say his name. James Galen plays the sheriff. He's also been in Avatar. A lot of the Power Rangers TV shows as voice parts and, like, a colonel or something. Mm-hmm. And he was also in the movie version of Bridge to Terabithia, which I never saw because I read the book and it broke me too much to watch the movie. The movie's just as bad. So, yeah. Yes. But you're right. They do get to the house. And it's way mm-hmm. out in the boonies. Um, yep. And there's no cell phones because it's 1979. Yes. So. But when goes to talk to Howard... Because they're renting a boarding house from Howard. So. is Howard is played by Stephen Urey, um, who has done a lot of, like, it looks like makeup roles. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Doug Jones. Um, so, the Lord of the Rings series, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, which is an excellent horror TV show, if you want to check that out. And Hounds, which I haven't seen Hounds, but he's a regular on that show. So I was like, that's cool. And he's been in a lot of the different Lord of the Rings movies. So he must work with Peter Jackson quite a lot. Maybe he's Peter Jackson's Doug Jones. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Peter Jackson must really like him. So Although that might be um, Andy Serkis, too. As they unload, though, Maxine sees an old woman watching her from the upstairs window. Yes. Nothing good ever comes from anyone watching you from an upstairs window of a farmhouse. Unless it's Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yeah. And that's okay. But Howard does tell him, like, he's like, hey, yeah, this boarding house was built during the Civil War. It never saw any, but they never saw any action, which I thought was funny because it's about to see a lot of action. LOL. Uh, <laughs> but the, but Wayne Jackson's like, hey, we served in the war too. And Jackson's like, yeah, I did two tours in Vietnam. Uh, but Howard ends up being like, I don't like any of y'all. And when he leaves, Lorraine's yeah. like, hey, we, he doesn't know that we're filming a pornography movie. And, and of course, he's like, Wayne's like, yeah, he doesn't know. So and he's not going to. I'm like, how are you? Oh. I mean, I guess you can't have yeah. that. But oh, and also there's a point where Howard is threatening Wayne with his shotgun mm-hmm. until Wayne is like, hey, I'm not the city. We talked a couple days ago. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember. He's like, it's not loaded. I just do it to scare people. And he says, oh, I have a pistol in my glove box. Same thing. Yeah. Um, which is a setup. Um, but yes. Um, so they, oh, they yeah. get to work. Um, then they get to work and it's hard, hard work. Yes. It's hard work. Tough work. I just love it. Cause Sexy it's work. Bobby Lynn and Jackson are going first and RJ tries to give too much direction. So Jackson's like, let me do the screwing. Um, but meanwhile, Maxine would do what I'd probably do. She'd probably be like, oh, I see this shit every day inside it out. So she goes for a nice yeah. little walk. Um, mm-hmm. and she goes skinny dipping, and she's unaware that the old woman's watching her from the woods. So creepy. Yes. And I love the editing in this, because the editing is so, like, fast-paced. So, like, while this is happening, it goes back to RJ talking to Wayne, and Wayne's, like, mm-hmm. really happy. He's like, look, this is gonna, he's like, this is gonna make people's eyeballs pop out of their socket. Ha. Huh. And, uh, he's like, feel, uh-huh. how, feel how hard my cock is. <laughs> but. He just grabs his hand and is like, feel it. Yeah, You're like, okay. Feel it. But it goes back to, um, it. it's like, it goes back to Maxine and she's floating in this lake and this alligator watches her. We know it's an alligator because we actually looked up and alligators are more common in Texas. 
Um, but there's yeah, this no, amazing... we don't have crocodiles and we don't have crocodiles in America. That's like my favorite, like one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie is there's this incredible like God's eye shot where it's like you see Maxine just floating really innocently uh-huh. and then you see her starting to swim away and the gator just is following her. And it's like very mm-hmm. like you're like, oh my God, is this is this character really going to get picked off by a gator this early in the movie? I don't fucking know. But she gets out at the last minute, and I did think, I was like, I'm surprised, like, I can understand her not knowing it didn't follow her, but you'd think the gator would, like, try to reach up and snatch her as she was getting out. But she does live. Yeah. Thank God. She does. Yes. And uh, the old lady who we find out from Howard, her name is Pearl. She's like, my wife is at the other house. Be quiet, because... She's not well. Well, I did find it was interesting. I wrote it down. We actually don't find out her name is Pearl to the last 12 minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but he does reference his wife many and many and many times. So. Yes. Yes. And um, she's not well. She's not That's well. That's all we know. Um, But, yeah. So, then Maxine returns. Um, Oh, she's she's walking back to the house. And they're filming more scenes, and she runs into Pearl, the old lady, who, I mean, I guess we can say now that we're in spoilers, is played by the same person. Yeah. Goth plays both characters and is in extensive makeup. And honestly, I have rarely seen old person makeup done so spectacularly well. They do a really good job of filming it, so you're not, they're not dead on straight on their faces. Like, they do a really good job of, like obscuring the light so it's not like as clear clear Mm -hmm. um which makes it more believable so yeah i don't know if i walked up to her you know in daylight if i would feel like it but the way it's filmed is really well done her and howard's makeup is really well done and i was reading so they kept uh mia 10 hours in the makeup chair to to get this look 10 hours in the makeup chair and then 12 hours 12 hour day 12-hour day, yes. And I was ah. reading with Brittany. Brittany said that when she was looking at Mia in the pearl makeup, she had to really search Mia's eyes to see Mia in there. She was yeah. like, it's so convincing, like, the way she moved and everything. Like, I had to really look for Mia. Which she's like, I think it's a great testament to Mia's acting, too. Yeah, so, especially her body work, which is yeah. so... Something I feel like people don't talk about as much, but body work is so important mm-hmm. to acting. And it's something that I think people take advantage they're just like they don't think about it but um take for granted that was the phrase i was trying to say anyways um but pearl beckons maxine to the house and serves her lemonade which i'm sorry i would not drink lemonade in that nasty house well maxine i feel like this with maxine and especially bobby lynn is that they are very respectful of people which i think is like something else i really love the characters there's multi-dimensions to them Mm-hmm. And she does take the lemonade. She drinks it in one gulp because you can tell, like, she's clearly uncomfortable. And she's like, I, ha- yeah. and I did feel bad at this line because she's like, I have to go. My boyfriend gets fussy when I don't know where I am, which is like the first time that maybe you get led to believe that maybe Wayne's abusive in some way. Um, I mean, or I, she could know, just be for looking for a cop out. I think she was saying it so she could get the fuck out yeah, of there. She I could don't get think the fuck Wayne out. seems abusive. He doesn't when he does catch her. He's like, Where have you been? But it wasn't angry it was like a little bit but not like not less it wasn't angry maybe not as angry as her as much as it was like this is gonna ruin the production schedule if we don't start filming yeah but um but i feel like but then like pearl's all like oh i was a dancer and i was so beautiful and howard would do anything for me and maxine's just like okay and she's looking at herself in the mirror 
And then, like, Pearl, like, because she's wearing overalls and no top, and she, like, runs her finger next to her, like, side boob. Yeah. And she's like, um, what are you doing? Yeah. And then Howard pulls up, and she's like, go out the back. This will be our little secret. secret. Yeah. And, like, I love that she just goes, what, Will? Because I'm like, that would be my my reaction. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? So weird. Um, But also, like, obviously Pearl has a bit of a fantasy life and delusions of grandeur, I would say. Yeah. But Maxine is also very clearly shaken up after this experience because, like, there's a lot of layers there, um, which I guess we may or may not go into later. But she's clearly shaken up. But Ray- Wayne's like, you need to hurry up before we lose the light. And so... um. Mm-hmm. She does some coke, and she's like, I will not accept the life I do not deserve, which is kind of her little mantra. Um, oh. And, yeah, they start to all go out to the barn. And mm-hmm. I didn't catch this till the second time, but there is a face on the milk carton because she's playing the farmer's second daughter. Um, yeah. And you see a face on the milk carton for just a split second, which does play homage later. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, they start to film the scene. And uh, meanwhile, we see Pearl. She's putting on makeup to look more like Maxine. And Maxine mm-hmm. and Jackson film their scene. And everyone seems, like, captivated by Maxine. Even yeah, Lorraine. transfixed. Yeah. And then, and then frickin' uh, Pearl is watching them. Yeah. But they don't know that she's watching them. They have no idea. And then they, they go that night. Like, they're hanging out that night. And... It's like, you know, they're, like, decompressing, and they're talking about it, and they're, like, talking about how Maxine has the X factor, and they're so excited about the movie, and then RJ's all, like, it's it's artful, it's a higher form of porn, and blah, 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 and Lorraine, who, Maxine's, like, she keeps staring at me, Lorraine just finally asks a bunch of questions, and is just, like, curious, she's, like, well, how do you guys deal with, like, you know, you're with Maxine, Wayne, how do you deal with her sleeping with him on camera? And they're like, I mean, it's just camera. And they go through a very sex positive conversation about like, you know, you can't help who you're attracted to, but you can help who you love, which I don't know if that's, I mean, you can help who you're in a relationship with. Yeah. But, um, and it's also very clear that Bobby Lynn and Jackson are in a romantic relationship too. On again, off again, there's a cute line before where she, like Lorraine's like, she asks Lorraine, do you always help your boyfriend with her with his shoes? And she goes, sometimes, yeah. And then she's like, is he, is Jackson your boyfriend? And then Bobolin's like, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, that's cute. And right before this scene, too, where they're all having this sex-positive talk, Pearl does try to come to Howie, and she has, like, makeup and a dress on. And she, like, tries yeah. to seduce him, but he's like, my, I can't because of my heart. So my he heart. kind of, like, rejects his own wife. So you kind of, like, feel a little bit sad. Of sympathy yeah, and sadness there's, there's for some Pearl. Sympathy. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. But um Lorraine ends up she's like, I don't really understand it, but I like what I saw tonight. And Jackson gets out a guitar and Bobby Lynn <laughs> sings Landslide as made famous by Fleetwood Mac. Which I will say because they're like editing stuff back and forth. It's not just them singing like that finale of Euphoria. Mm-hmm. It's at least interesting. And she only sings like I don't think she sings the whole like thing. Like a minute, like a minute, thing. like a minute yeah. of it. Yeah. But it's not a lot. It's just like the first verse. So, sorry, Gizmo's barking. No. I'm sorry. And it does, 
it does juxtaposition with Pearl getting ready for bed, so like taking off the makeup. So it's like really sad because they're like thinking of Pearl like getting older, which is like an aspect of Landslide yes. as a song. Yeah, the juxtaposition is very like sad and like a little emotional, but also like interesting. And you're getting this contrast because also Bobby Lynn says something earlier about like, you know, sometimes we make people uncomfortable because we're young and we like to fuck and they are sad that they're old. And they can't. And she's like, one day we'll all be too old to have sex and we'll be sad. So we might as well, like, take advantage of it. So there's a lot of, like, juxtaposition of age yeah, and, and youth and beauty and all that stuff. And obviously it's something Pearl misses. Yeah. Which is driving her to <laughs> yeah. the next few scenes. Yeah. But that's where... After they finish singing, you know, Lauren's like, I want to do it. I want to be in the movie. And RJ is like, what? And so they Who's get- been so positive, so oh, yeah. porn. And then all of a sudden he's Until like, oh, you want to do it? No. But Wayne's like, I mean, she can do it. And also, she has bodily autonomy, bud. So, shut the yeah. fuck up. And Wayne does tell RJ outside. He's like, if, you, if she gets famous, maybe she'll take you with her. And so he's like, but she's a nice girl. And Wayne, like, gets in his face and he's like, none of them are nice girls. And so they go through with the scene. And I think Jenna Ortega was maybe 19 at the time of the filming. So they really, they keep her, like, underwear and brawl. And we see where they start the scene, but we don't see her nude. And and he has a blanket over his dick. So, like, it's very tame. Which yeah, maybe she'd tame. never done a scene like that before, and they were like, "Ah, eh, we don't need to overdo." But I, again, there's there is sex in this, but it is about making uh, an adult film. But also, like, it's not overkill. I yeah. would say, like, they they do it where it's needed, and they don't overdo it. So I think that's one of the reasons why I really like this movie, and I would recommend it to a lot of people, unless you're a real prude about nudity and sex in movies. But honestly, yeah. like, it's not the main focus of the film. It's just an aspect of it. Yeah. And so later that night, RJ's in the shower sobbing. Um, of course he is. So he gets so angry yeah. that he decides to leave in the middle of the night. And a little bit Blue of an Yeah. Blue Oyster Coats Don't Fear the Reaper is playing, though, and I love that song. Mm-hmm. But it's playing, and there's Pearl standing in the middle of the road. And so RJ gets out of the car to make sure she's okay because, you know, he 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 had a little bit of a moment, but I think he is a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she moans and starts trying to kiss him. And I think she goes, I can show you what I'm capable of. And he's like, stop, I don't want to see it. And so he goes, suggest they find her husband. And that's when she stabs him in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. And then she uh, keeps stabbing him and there's blood yeah. everywhere. <laughs> and it turns the lights red. Yeah. It decapitates him. And this is the final 46 minutes of the film because I paused it here. So it's like an hour. So like for the first hour, they're setting everything up because this movie's around like an hour and 46 minutes. So this is like the second half of the film. And we hit the ground running at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's brutal because she stabs him in the neck to the point of decapitating him pretty much. I feel like this was the most brutal kill. Yeah. Because a lot of it's off screen or, I mean, they show some of it, but like, this was the most brutal one. And then she, like, they also had, like, to get the decapitation scene, they had, like, a fake head. And they had a stunt man with a trap door. So his, like, half of his body was under the trap door. But that's how they got his body to jerk when she decapitates him. 
And, like, they had, like, a prosthetic neck with the actor, too, when she was stabbing yeah. him, which was so... In- it's so interesting to hear all that stuff was done. Oh. Um, but, yeah, that's the part where she briefly just starts dancing in the red light, and you're like, all right. Yeah. That's weird, but, okay, she has gone full-blown crazy. Yeah, it reminds her of her youth, though. Like, it's, like, essentially, I guess she feels, like, young a little bit in that moment. She starts dancing mm-hmm. again. And you're just like, what yeah. the hell is going on in her mind? But Mia, I will say, Mia Goff, I think, really did her research with the role. Because she said yeah. she had three months to work with both Pearl and Maxine. And I feel like that, once again, you're talking about, like, the body of, of like, playing mm-hmm. this character. I think she really got that. Um, yeah. So... But yeah, Lauren wakes up, though, realizing RJ is gone. And so Wayne's up, and he's like, well, the van's still there. And she's like, but I didn't want to hurt him, and I don't want to break up. And so he reluctantly agrees to help Lauren find RJ. Lauren runs into Howard, and she's like, I'm looking for my boyfriend. And he's like, yeah, I'm looking for my wife. Da-da-da. And then uh, Wayne goes in the barn, and one of the grosser parts... Steps on a nail through a board, which this is... This kind of stuff uh, makes my soul leave my body when that happens. Then, like, I hate it. Because then you know you have to pull it out. And mm. then he does, and they show that. That's the part. It's not the stepping on the nail. It's the, and now I have to pull it out. If you've ever gotten a nasty splinter or, like, something embedded, or, like, glass embedded in your skin, you have to pull it out. It's like, I don't want to do this. So... You think that's enough, but then he thinks he hears something outside of the barn. He looks through a peephole, and uh, Pearl stabs him with a pitchfork. Pops out his eyes, as he alluded yes. to before. A la gotta, 1978 zombie. Yes. Uh, I gotta say, though, is, Pearl Pearl would do really good in zombie land because she goes inside and double taps him like she sticks Yeah, I was like, oh honey... God. Oh, I mean, that's where my dark sense of humor comes out because I did laugh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, then, like, so then at the same time, <laughs> like, uh, Howard's like, hey, Lorraine, can you help me get a light in the basement? And at this point, you're like, maybe he doesn't know his wife's a serial killer. You don't know. Like, maybe he's really looking for his wife. And she goes in the basement. And then when she goes upstairs, she's like, oh, I found it. And she doesn't go all the way in the basement, though. She only goes partially into the basement. And she finds a flashlight. She's like, I found it! And the door's locked. And she's like, hey, the door's locked. Oh, no, let me out. And he's like, just stay there and be quiet. And then, of course, she's freaking out. So he turns up the Preacher TV series that was on at the gas station. He turns it all the way up so he doesn't have to hear her. But then she goes downstairs to investigate if there's another way out. And there's a man. There's a body. A rotting yeah. corpse of the man on the milk carton. Um, and he's been, his pants are removed? Yeah. Or like, on his ankles? Ooh, I'm like, what yeah. are you doing with it? What are you doing with yeah. him? Yeah, heavily suggesting that the corpse was sexually violated is what yes. that is doing. Ugh. So, and Jackson drinks milk in the next scene. So, once again, we see the missing person. So, Howard comes to the boarding house and he tells Jackson his wife is missing. And Jackson's standing nude in the door, but he's like, a good guy, so he offers to help. After he gets his skivvies. I love that he used the word skivvies. Let me get my skivvies. Let me get my skivvies. But when he leaves to join Howard, the old woman gets into the boarding house, takes off her nightgown, and slips into bed naked with Maxine. Yeah, it's real creepy. And, um... Also, she, like, stares at her for a while, too. And then, so Jackson and he are, like, looking around the lake. He's like, I brought my gun because of alligators. And you're like, oh, okay. And Jackson's like, oh, that's an okay excuse. 
Um, but then Jackson finds a submerged car. Psycho. I was like, oh, like Psycho. Yay. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. And he then the old man creeps up on him. Howard creeps up on him. And then he starts talking about, like, you're just like the last bohemian, scantily clad, think you can do anything. And that's what he he's just like, um, okay, I think I'm going to go now. And then he just shoots him. Yeah. And, like, he oh. said it was unloaded before, so you're like, oh, oh. Oh, okay. I love it because Jackson says something like, I don't think you know what's going on. And Howard goes, I know exactly what's going on. And then when he shoots him, so you're like, fuck it, Howard's in on it too. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it's, because you're holding out hope maybe, like, Howard's not completely bad, but that's... Right. Yeah, but, so... And I think, I can't remember if it was before or after, but at some point, Lorraine takes an axe, like The Shining, and puts a hole through the basement door, and then Howard that's the, breaks that's the her next finger. Scene. Yeah. yeah. That's the next and scene. And then... And then Maxine wakes up, and Pearl's there, and she, of course, screams, because yeah. I'd be terrified if there was a person I didn't know in my bed with me. Uh, which is, like, the scariest fucking thing. Like, all of, like, the stalker stories you hear about, the scariest ones are, like, and there was just someone in my house. Yeah. Just hanging out. It's terrifying. Um, but, of course, it wakes up Bobby Lynn. Mm-hmm. And she is trying to help her. And um, Bobby Lynn goes and she sees Pearl run, you know, half naked, if not naked, to the lake. And so she's like, oh... I gotta, like, I'll go help her. Because she's like, oh, she's just a confused old lady. Oh, and it is so sweet. And I did want to say, because we didn't mention it earlier, that they really modeled Bobby Lynn off of Dolly Parton because they wanted her to be, like, aware of the way she dressed and the image that she presented to other people. But she's, mm-hmm. like, a, she's a good, kind person. Like, Bobby, yes. and this really shows in this scene that she's a good, kind person. Yeah. So She's like, oh, my Nana gets... My Nana gets confused. I actually thought about becoming a nurse. And then <laughs> Pearl's just like, I don't need a nurse, you whore. And she's like, oh, you nasty bitch. And then she pushes her in the lake. And you're like, and she goes, bitch. And then that alligator eats Bobby Lynn. Just like yeah. the mural. Jeez. Which, Which is a good I, death. I, I, but also, it like, is. like, oh, not Bobby Lynn. Yeah, because you love Bobby Lynn. She's so fucking sweet. Uh, but then you're just like, but that alligator death is really gnarly. So. It was gnarly. It was cool. <laughs> I was like, someone was going to get eaten by an alligator. Yeah. And Maxine is... Oh. Okay, so then, then Pearl comes back to Maxine's room and meets Howard there. And Maxine's hiding under the bed. And I do like Pearl, this. Thank Oh, I did want to say real quick because it reminded okay. me of you. I I literally turned to Taylor. I said, "You know, Katie's offended at this point." Because uh, how how Howard comes up and he goes, "Was that her?" And she goes, "You know, I don't like." Oh blondes. yeah, you know, I don't like blondes. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck you, bitch!" <laughs> I don't like. I was blondes. like, "I know, Katie's." I don't care for blondes. Anyway, but they go to they go back to the boarding house and Maxine's hiding under her bed and Howard and Pearl get it on and I mean it, I it's not as bad as you think it's gonna be, but they do do an overhead shot of him just thrusting. That's like, like the and, most graphic scene in that movie, I think, sexually. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like Jackson and um, Bobby Lynn's was pretty graphic, but it was it wasn't like 
it was funny graphic because it was a joyful pornographic film. Enthusiastic. This one is disturbing because Maxine's under the bed and they've just murdered a bunch of people. And, like, they're getting turned on because they're murdering people. And Maxine takes the opportunity to sneak out and she grabs the pistol from inside the van because she doesn't, she, she's like, okay, I'm going to arm myself. Fantastic. And she goes to find who else is here. And she goes into the house and unlocks the door for Lorraine. And Lorraine is just like, so like upset. Like her finger is broken. She can't find her boyfriend. She's been locked in a basement with a dead body. And she starts blaming Maxine and blaming all of them. She's like, I don't want to listen to y'all anymore. And Maxine's trying to be smart about it. She's like, okay, wait, but we got to like figure out where they are before we leave. And Lorraine's like, fuck that, and starts running out the front door and gets yeah. shot in the face by Howard. Oh, shotgun blast to the face, which I literally yelped during that scene because she runs out the door and the way the camera angle is, you see her running and then you just hear the gunshot and you just see her like fly and you're just like, fuck. So, yeah. God. And Howard literally is like, I told her to stay in the basement. She's like, it's okay. We don't need her anymore. And he's like, let's drag the body inside so that's self-defense. And it's really sad because Pearl's like, you think anyone will come looking for them even? And of course, Maxine hears all this. And she's talking about dumping the other bodies in the lake. So Maxine knows at this point she's the only survivor. Which is sad. Um, Yeah. Oh, so they're dragging Lorraine's body in. And Lorraine isn't quite dead and jerks. Yeah. And it gives Howard a heart attack. Yeah. And he dies. Yep. And yeah, that's when Maxine confronts Pearl about the keys. And, you know, she's like, he ha- he's having a heart attack. And Maxine's like, I don't fucking care. Which you can't blame Maxine for that. And right. so she she tries to get the keys. And Pearl's just like, you're just like me. You're just like me. And Maxine's like, we're nothing alike. So she goes to shoot Pearl with the pistol. It jams. Or the chamber's empty. And Pearl goes to shoot her with a shotgun. But of course a shotgun has a big recoil. So she misses and she throws her back. And it breaks her hip. Yeah. It was like, good riddance. Oh my um, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but I love the setup with the guns where like he just offhandedly says like, Yeah, I totally have one unloaded too. And she doesn't have any idea. Yeah. Thing. But yeah, you know, and there's also on the TV, it's like divine intervention, right? As like she ducks the shotgun blast, which I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, I like the sound mixing. I like that. That editing yeah. is great. And then Pearl is like, help me, help me. And Magazine's like, fuck no. And she gets the keys. And she starts getting in the car, and then all of a sudden, Pearl's just like, you whore! You fucking bitch! And so Maxine just um, decides to run over her head, which I don't really blame her at this point. Although she probably would have died from the hip thing if she didn't get immediate attention. But, you know, uh, I'm okay with it. And she drives away to a new life, but we find out what her old life was. Yes, so on the tell of Angela shows, it's revealed that Maxine is the daughter that they mentioned uh-huh. before going missing. And we are back at the beginning, but I do want to point out, because I love it, as she's driving off as the final girl, she does some coke, and she's like, praise the fucking Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, is, I, I love it, because then that's literally, you find out that she's the daughter of the televangelist. Yeah. So you're like, okay, like it, it all comes together. But we're back at the beginning, and so one of the deputies finds the camera, and they uh, tell the sheriff, they're like, what do you think it's on it? And he's like, by the looks of it, one goddamn fucked up horror picture. Da, da, da. We yeah. just watched it. We did. Ha, ha. 
Um, but very yeah, clever. That's X. Yeah, it that's is. That's X. It's X. Um, did you have any pros that we didn't already mention? I, I think a lot of it is like what we've talked about. So um, I love the awesome switch up. You think at some point it may be Howard doing the killing like initially because he doesn't like them. But it's literally because Pearl is horny. LOL. Yeah. Uh, so um, Bobby Lynn's alligator death is one of my favorite deaths in a long time. Um, I thought it was cool how meta the film was and referencing the filmmaking and the editing aspect of what goes into a movie. So I felt like those were all pros. Um, it's mm-hmm. a really, really cool meta kind of piece of filmmaking. And there was like, it was fun. It was a real fun yeah. movie. So. I also like there is like, there is like a subversion of expectations, but like not in a pretentious way. But like there is a, it's called Psycho Bitty horror yeah. genre where like older people attack younger sexy people. Um, but usually it's like prudish people. And I like that it's because Pearl is just like Mrs. Sex because her sex life is dead and she's going to be dead soon. And that's how it's so dark. But like she's just mad about it. And it's, it is relatable. Like everyone is going to age and that is really sad. And she's like mourning her youth. So it makes her a more interesting villain, I think. Um, she's still wrong. She's dead wrong. But at least there's motivation, you know? And like it's also interesting that like the most sex arguably the most sexually charged character is the final girl, whereas that's usually the opposite. Usually yeah. the the virgin, virgin is the final girl. But the first two people to die are the only people that don't have sex in the movie. So RJ and Wayne, which I found interesting too. So it's a new spin on the classic slasher. Yeah. Um and the humor and the cast, everyone's great. It looks great. Um, it, they really know what they're doing with the camera when they want to do it. Did, was there anything not great about it? You're, uh, so I honestly thought that it was weirdly ageist at some points of the movie. Like, I think, I can't believe I'm saying this because usually I like it when movies are shorter. I almost, and I'm hoping, okay guys, so we can finally say this. So Pearl... The prequel movie was shot right after this movie. So we will get a prequel film with Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope they kind of dive into this a little bit more. Because I feel like you get you get like the surface of Pearl's character. But you, you, you kind of see there's more going on. But you don't really get to it. And so it was like... To me, the point that just came across like, oh, one day you'll be old and ugly. One day you'll be old and ugly. Oh, I'm so sad I'm old and ugly. Oh, look, old, ugly people having sex. It's like... I, I don't think that was the intent of the movie because there are those themes versus aging versus beauty. But some points it did feel like it was a little ageist. And I didn't I really like that. To me, I was like, this is like what M. Night Shyamalan was trying to do with The Visit. Where he was like, ooh, old people are scary. No, yeah. they're not. Aging is scary. But yeah. old people are not scary. Aging is scary for all of us. I feel like this movie was try did it the right way. But I I mean, I yeah, I think Pearl, I think there's definitely something to be said that this isn't just like I think it's more about sex and less about age, if that yeah. makes sense. Cuz I think if Howard and uh Pearl had a regular sex life and if his heart was better, she probably wouldn't be 
tying up corpses in the basement to fuck. Yeah. Um, that's terrifying. Yeah. Um, I also like that, like, you don't see anyone actually fucking a corpse. Like, I like that. Yeah, I don't, too. no, I don't like, I felt like that would be taking it way too far. Oh, yeah. Um, I also see a lot of people describe this movie as elevated horror, which I disagree with. I think it's very meta, and I think it's a lot of fun. And I, I do think there, you can tell a, a lot of thought went into the production of it. But I wouldn't necessarily call it elevated. I would say it's a yeah. sl- it's a slasher film with a lot better production value. Substance. A slasher yeah. film with substance. Yeah. It's kind of like I had that. I was like, it's a good spin on the slasher, but it's not like artful in my. It's well made. Don't get me. It's a yeah. well made movie. It's a well made film. But like, it's not like Parasite or Hereditary or something where it's like, or like the exorcist where it's like just a good movie that has horror elements it's like no this is a slasher movie yeah this is but it, i like that it kind of like you know dwells in that and just kind of embraces it that it's kind of like it is a sleazy movie but like in a fun way like in a good way it's good yeah. sleazy i'm very curious like i hope pearl because we know it'll, i i would imagine it'd be a backstory and i'm really curious to see if she was a monster like quotations that was born or made um, yeah. so I'm, I'm really curious and I, I know we talked about this before the episode. And so our friend Dalton was telling us that there's an end credit scene and unfortunately the rental does not have the end credit scene, which is That's really so frustrating and it's not on YouTube or anything. So there's no place to really watch it, but supposedly Pearl is going to have more of a technicolor look to it because it's supposed to be taking place in like 1918. So the movie's going to look yeah. very different than this movie. Like, uh, Wizard of Oz, but yeah. Um, blood. I don't know. Blood. It might be. It might be like a happy drama. Who knows what it'll be like? Yeah. Did you have ratings for this? I did. Um. Do you want the grindhouse rating or the eight out? The the I already spoiled it. So. <laughs> oh, you gave it an eight out of ten. I gave, I gave it seven point five. Okay. Yeah. Like, I love. I really like it, but I was like, I don't know. Like, it's closer to an eight than a seven, though, for me. Yeah. Yeah, sure. and I. I gave it 8 out of 10, so I think this movie, and I'm so sorry to my friends out there listening, I really like this movie. I think this was a case that maybe it got a little overhyped for me before I saw it. It's, it is good, and I do like it, but it wasn't something just blew my fucking mind. It wasn't like one of those movies. I describe yeah. it as a lot of fun, a great summer movie, and better than your average slasher flick. It's the yes. things I've said about it, so... Yeah, it's definitely, if you compare it to the stuff that's been coming out, like, like the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Netflix movie, I'm like, so much better. This is yes. so much more worth your time than that movie was. I mean, Netflix, you know, has a large catalog, but, like, it sucked. What did you rate it for Grindhouse Girls ratings? Okay, so it was really hard because I really, like, there were certain words I caught on for because I was like, I really want to do something with alligators, but I couldn't think of anything else. And I was like, oh, I really want to do something for Tandy's titties, but I couldn't think of anything else. So Gators I d- and gobbling dicks. <laughs> Ga- yes. I uh, actually rated it S for shower crying and sweet serenades. Okay, okay. Yeah. I rated it P for porn, pitchforks, and peeping pearls. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like the porn and pitchforks for sure. So, yeah. Peeping Tom seemed weird. So, peeping yeah. pearls. Yeah, peeping pearls. That's a that's a PPPP. So, yeah, that's cute. Pa 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 pa. I guess. Rating. Sometimes it just comes to you. 
Yeah. Well, even like I kept because there was a lot of so it's funny because I heard a lot of people I was reading a few different reviews and some people didn't like the dialogue in this movie. Incidentally, I loved the dialogue. Oh, really? I thought it was really yeah, I loved it. Oh, I thought it was really funny. funny. It was yeah, cute. I did too. But like I got cosmopolitan taste, Wayne. Like I, I was like, oh, C for cosmopolitan taste. <laughs> and Cox, <gasps> cock guzzling oh. cosmopolitan taste. Cosmopolitan, I got cosmopolitan taste, Wayne. So and Cox, <laughs> but I think Sorry. it's actually your turn for your pick of the week, Katie. It is so. Um, to keep with our summer theme, but also like kind of a lighthearted horror film, but definitely a horror film. Um, we are going to do Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Woo! which is. Uh, very similar to Cabin in the Woods, although I feel like this was made before Cabin in the Woods, like a few years, I want to say. We'll check on that for next time. Yeah. But this movie is stars Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk. It's like a horror comedy um, with a twist. I don't want to. I don't want to go too far into it because I feel like it will like um, ruin it. So. It's going to be a fun little summer movie to watch. Um, if you guys have any, any ideas of some summer films to watch, please let us know because we've got some ideas, but some are streaming, some are not, or some are just like a lot to do in one episode. But let us know. But um, this one is streaming on Pluto and Tubi. Also, I think Magnolia Selects and something in Monsters. Um, so like a lot of streaming services are carrying this movie. So it should be very easy to find. Keep it. Keep it, keep it on. So we love you guys. Um, short goodnight tonight. Um, but love you. If you are involved in any of the awful things happening this week, just know that we are thinking about you. I hate saying thoughts and prayers because it feels like we're not doing anything. But make sure you get out and vote and make sure that you hold the people in charge of your community accountable and vote and research before you vote for somebody. And uh, keep, keep, treating everybody with kindness and watching scary movies and just like take some time for yourself relax and if you need to turn off and watch a court drama where there's two celebrities fighting over he said she said you know what it's okay if you need to and if you want to stare at the screen for a long time that's cool or read a book watch a movie i don't know i don't just Take care of each other. Be good to one another. Wash your hands. Take your vitamins. Wear your mask. And uh, take care of your allergies. Because I know mine are just making me miserable right now. But love you. Thank you for listening. Watching. (laughs) Listening. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We love you guys. You guys are amazing. And uh, thank you for listening. Remember, we're going bi-weekly for the summer to give everybody a nice, restful summer. So it'll be not next week. But the week after, which should be June 29th, I want to say. So um, we will see you in two weeks after this one. Brit. Yes, yes. Um, echoing a little bit of Katie. Uh, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I say that every week. Please drink your water. You really need to drink your water. Um, if you're on medication, take your medication. Someone said something today on a friend's yeah. Facebook status. And they said, if you feel like you're better and you think about, you're thinking about 
stopping t your medication because you feel better, do not because it's probably your medication that's making you feel better. So that's true. And there's no shame in medication. Please do not let anyone shame you into taking medication if it makes you feel like a better version of yourself. Stay safe out there, guys. It is a scary, scary, scary world. And I try not to live in fear because if you live in fear, you won't ever be able to do anything in life. But please take care of yourselves and each other. Um, we love you very much. We're so grateful for each and every one of you. Um, if you ever need a friend to talk to, yes, we are podcast hosts, but we are also people. We'll yeah. always, we'll gladly answer any DMs if it's about the podcast or if you just want to shoot the shit and you just need someone to shoot the shit with. We can do that. Um, we love you very, very much. Thank you to each and every one of you. Take care of yourselves. And of course, we just look forward to seeing you next time. Same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Yes, stay spoopy, y'all. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.